0: Parks and Rec Department of the city of Wilsonville, so we get it. Hey, good morning again. Uh, for those of you that weren't here last week, we, we were, we've been uh, sort of not really in a series, series, but kind of looking at the book of Acts a, a little bit and, and, and really focusing on sort of uh, the, the uh, movement of God's spirit that happened at Pentecost and then sort of what happened after that. Uh, because when God's spirit moves, stuff happens, Right? That's what happens. So we're, do, we're talking about that. Last week we looked at chapter 4 and the, uh, in the, uh, of the book of Acts where Peter and John uh, are walking to church. They, they see a man who is, uh, you know, and I always equate things to modern day. He's begging, and I always picture him with his sign out. You know, guys have their signs, and he's, he's asking for money. He, he's, he's crippled, and he can't work, needs money. Peter and John say, "Hey, we don't have any money, but we'll we'll give you this and they they pray for him and he's healed and he gets up and goes to church with them." And it causes uh a bit of a stir. And if you remember last week, the focus of my message was sort of on verse 13 where uh the sort of religious leaders, the religious officials of the day, uh, they are in cahoots with the, the legal leaders and the governmental people, and they sort of pulled Peter and John aside. They arrest them. They put them in jail. But this is what they said. They took note that they were ordinary, unschooled men, but they were astonished that they'd been with Jesus. And that was the difference maker. It wasn't their education that separated Peter and John. It wasn't, you know, uh, their status, their social status, any of that stuff. It's really that they'd been with Jesus. And my, my point last week was simply that that's the, what makes a difference for us, too. If you, if you want to be somebody in God's kingdom, it's real simple. There's not a lot of qualifications. Really, being with Jesus, that's, that's the thing. You don't need an education. You don't need a whole lot of other stuff. That's what it comes down so, to. So, uh, you know, it's funny. After service last Sunday, I went home, and I was reading Acts. Again, Just, just that's a, Sunday afternoons, I, I, I sort of take a little mini Sabbath. I... I read and, and sit and, and sleep. Uh, so I, but I was just sitting reading Acts, and, and Shane sent me a text. He goes, hey, I love Acts 4, but I think you should keep going in it. And I was just reading it, like literally like one minute before that, going, I think I'm going to just do some more in Acts 4 next week. And uh, so we were in cahoots there. Uh, so I am going to continue with the fourth chapter of Acts today and next week. Two more, two more. That's three for one. Three sermons, one chapter. And I'm not going to charge anybody any extra for that. Um, I want to say this though before we start. I, I love uh, bo- reading uh, Luke and Acts. I love Luke, the author of those two books. Uh, he, he, Luke is a doctor. He's a physician by trade. F- physicians, doctors, they're, they're, they're part of their job. They pay attention, right? That's good. You want a doctor that pays attention. Uh, they notice things. And, and Luke notices things. He notices detail. I love the detail. He gives us little numeric updates from time to time. Hey, this many people came, or that thing happened. And I love that. It's just a little more, a little more insight, a little more detail to what's happening than we sometimes get in some of the other Gospels and some of the other stories. So I, I really appreciate Luke's focus and detail there. So I, I enjoy reading his book. So I'm going to just... Uh, pray and then we'll read together. Let's, do, let's read first and then pray. How about that? We'll read the next section of Acts 4 and then we'll, we'll pray together and hopefully I'll make some sense of it. So this is the very next verse from where we left off last week. But since they could see the man who had been healed standing there with them, there was nothing they could say. So they ordered them to withdraw from the Sanhedrin and they conferred together. What are we going to do with these men, they asked. Everyone living in Jerusalem knows they have performed a notable sign. We cannot deny it. But to stop this thing from spreading any further among the people, we must warn them to speak no longer to anyone in this name. And then they called them in and again commanded them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John replied, which is right in God's eyes to listen to you or to him. You be the judge's. As for us, we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. After further threats, they let them go. They could not decide how to punish them because all the people were praising God for what had happened. For the man who was miraculously healed was over 40 years old. On the release, Peter and John went back to their own people and reported all that the chief priests and the elders had said to them. And when they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. Sovereign Lord, they said... You made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. You spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant, our father David. Uh, And then they they quote David, they quote a psalm. Uh, Why do the nations rage? Why do the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth rise up and the rulers band together against the Lord and against his anointed one. Indeed, Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in this city to conspire against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, they, they did what your power and will had decided beforehand should happen. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to, sp- to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant Jesus. And after they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. So, Lord, would you uh, cause this... Uh, this passage of, you, of your word to penetrate our hearts today and just to bring meaning and life to us, that we could learn and grow and that uh, we could see your kingdom advance uh, today in and through our lives as uh, these men and women did in that day in their lives. In your name we pray, amen. So this chapter really begins a sort of opposition to the gospel in the lives of the disciples. Now, Jesus had faced opposition throughout his ministry. As he, as he began to advance the kingdom in, in and through his life, he, he got a lot of uh, pushback on that. Um, but here, for the first time, the disciples are now becoming the recipients of that. They're getting a little taste of what happened to Jesus as they're being uh, harassed a bit over the spread of the gospel. I, I think it's, it's worth uh, mentioning here that the, you know, there's, there's a, a, a lack of sort of the kind of supposed separation of church and state we have today. We do have some. But the Pharisees and the religious leaders and the Roman government, the, the, <coughs> the, the legal and, and governmental leaders, are kind of working together. They, they, they really thought that killing Jesus would put an end to things. And that was sort of the norm. That was the routine, right? insurrection, uprising, something happens. You kill the leader, everybody else will flee. They'll scatter. That, you know, he got killed, so we don't want that. So that's, that's what they believed. They thought once they, they had crucified Jesus, well, that, that'll put an end to this thing. It's done. It didn't work. It backfired on them because in this particular case, uh, the normal thing didn't happen. Instead, what happened is it, it grew, and it morphed, and it multiplied, and it, and it got all out of control and so now they, they have greater and greater numbers of people that are still talking about Jesus. And so, the, you know, they, their, their killing of Jesus didn't really stop that. It, it, it caused them greater problems. I kind of like that. I, thought, I think that's sort of cool. That's a fun thing to happen. Uh, God's purposes are going to go forward in the midst of opposition. You know, and that's just uh, something I think is helpful for us sometimes, and here's, it's weird, I, I, it bugs me, God, God is not always consistent. Everybody notice that? It, 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 sometimes, Peter <coughs> goes to jail at one point, and miraculously, angels show up and break him out of jail. Well, other times, that doesn't happen. Yes, please. Oh, my, my beautiful daughter with a, jo- with a new job. She's here today because she has a government job now. That's good. Take care of me when I get old. Uh, er, older. Um, what was I talking about? Oh, oh, oh okay. So, 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 you know, sometimes God, miracles happen and, and, and sometimes they don't. And I go, well, you know, I guess that's why they're miracles. I don't know. But it, it kind of bugs me. I think, well, you know, shouldn't, if, if Peter got out of jail by an angel, shouldn't Paul get out of jail by an angel? It seems like that would be fair. I don't know. It didn't happen. So, but here's the thing. In the midst of opposition, God's kingdom still advances. It doesn't matter. Sometimes those miracles happen, sometimes they don't. But God's purposes are done either way. God's kingdom is advanced. His purposes are done. His will is done either way. You read stories about, you know, missionaries, whatever, historical. They go to Africa, go to China, go wherever. And they they labor, you know, for 20, 30 years. And then finally they see a harvest, right? But then what about the guys that go and then they, the, the, the natives kill him? You know, it's like, but the kingdom of God goes forward. And the kingdom of God is going to go forward in our lives regardless. Regardless of opposition. And sometimes we might face opposition. Probably not to the level that they did today in our country, but we might. But God's kingdom goes forward anyway. That's how it works. The, uh, I like it here. The, the leaders they They tell Peter and John, "You guys go wait outside, <coughs> and they confer a little bit, but the truth is they don't really know what to do with them they They really don't know what to do uh they're they're in a bit of a quandary here that, you know they're, they're going, yeah, we don't want them talking about this, but at the same time, everybody kind of saw what happened, and so uh what should we do so ultimately, they give them some vain threats and and they tell them just." Just go, but don't talk about this anymore. We don't want you to talk about Jesus anymore. Um, But Peter and John won't do it. You know, hell no, we won't go. I I don't think they, maybe they said that. Probably not. Um, I'm sorry. Uh, I'm really not, but... They just say no. We're not going to do it. I love it. You know what? We, we listen to you. We listen to God. What do we do? Do we get, no? We're going to listen to God. And, and he said, "You be the judge. You tell me what do you think's better. Listen to you. Listen to God. We're going to do what God says." This raises a question for me, an issue. The issue comes up: the, the whole idea of civil disobedience, you know, it, it, disobeying the law of the land in the interest of convictions to God or a higher authority. Um, it's a challenging, I, I think, a challenging paradox. Christians. It puts us in a a place where, and and, and actually I believe this is by design. I believe this is the purpose of God, where there's tension in our lives. See, sometimes we would like everything to be black and white. Wouldn't that be nice? It would just right, wrong, black, white, easy. I do this, don't do that. That's what we would like. That would make life so simple, but it does not work that way. Anybody notice that? It just does not work that way. There's a tension that we are required to walk in. I think that's why we need the Holy Spirit, because every situation, every every decision we make, we really need the leading of God. Because what might be right in one situation, the same decision would be wrong in another situation. And we really do need to hear from God each and every time. What happens... And this is, this is the reality of it. What happens when we, tr- when we try to make rules and make it black and white is it leads us into a place of legalism and judgmentalism really quickly. And, and that is just not the heart of God. It's not the heart of God, and we, we cannot do that. We, we, have got to be, we have got to be totally, completely dependent upon God and say, Lord, I mean, I think God wants us to live in that place where we're dependent upon him, we're following the leading of his spirit, we need the Lord tell me what to do. Because when we try to do it on our own, I think most of the time we we don't do so well. We are called, as Christians, to obey the laws of the land, are we not? It's not a trick question. We are. Let me show you a couple passages. Jesus said this. They asked him, you know, they're trying to trick Jesus, of course, but the question was, hey, do we have to pay taxes if you're, you know, if you're a Christian, if you're in the kingdom, show me the coin, he said. They brought him a denarius, and they showed him whose image is on it? Caesar's. Well, he said, give back to Caesar what is Caesar's, give to God what is God's. Pay your taxes, right? Paul is very clear in his book, to the uh, Letter to the Romans. Let everyone be subject to governing authorities, for the, there is no authority except that which God has established. The authorities that exist have been established by God. Consequently, remember He's writing this uh, uh, under the authority of the Roman Empire. So it's not like it was a godly government. They make our government look, you know, really godly. That was that was not a good government that He's that He's writing under. Consequently, whoever rebels against the authorities, rebelling against what God has instituted, and those who do so will bring judgment on themselves. For rulers hold no terror for those who do right, but for those who do wrong. Do you want to be free from the one in authority? Then do what is right, and you'll be commended. For the one in authority is God's servant for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid. The rulers do not bear the sword for no reason. They are God's servants, agents of wrath, to bring punishment on the wrongdoer. Therefore, it is necessary to submit to the authorities, not only because possible punishment, but also... As a matter of conscience, this is also why you pay taxes. For the authorities are God's servants who give their full time to governing. Give to everyone who you owe them. If you owe taxes, pay taxes. Revenue, revenue. If respect, respect. If honor, honor. And then finally, also, Paul in his letter to Titus says, remind the people to be subject to rulers and authorities. Be obedient. Do what's good. Slain or no one, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So, the point is simply that, you know, the Scripture commands us really to follow the law, to live according to the law. But there are those times, there are those times when we might be called to appeal to a higher law, as Peter and John do here. Now that's really hard to do. And that's hard to do on two levels. And I will tell you the two levels, in case you were wondering. Um, The first is this. It's hard to do because, look, sitting here today, in... United States of America, where uh, preaching the gospel isn't really going to cost us anything in terms of, you know, potential uh, harm. It's, it's easy. It's easy to say, yeah, I would do that too. If, they, if anybody tried to stop me from preaching, I'd just preach anyway. Uh, but in different parts of the world, if you're in Laos, 29... Christians in 2010 were um, put to death for exhibiting their faith. We've got, uh, I have some friends whose names I can't disclose, really, that are vineyard church planters in Uzbekistan right now. And they're there teaching English, which is a lie. I mean, they really are teaching English, but that's not why they're there. They're there to help uh, some indigenous folks in Uzbekistan plant churches. But you can go to jail for being a Christian and planting churches in Uzbekistan. So nobody knows what they're really doing. They're really teaching English. Um, usually, let me say this: it, it's a short jail sentence. It's it's kind of like like Peter and John. It's just sort of if we throw you in jail for a few days or a couple weeks or a month or two, probably you will be uh, that'll be enough discouragement to stop this. There was a Baptist missionary who was given a 10-year sentence for a drug charge. Now, there was no drug charge. He wasn't selling drugs. He wasn't using drugs. He had no drugs. But they couldn't put him in jail for 10 years for being a Christian, so they made up charges for that. North Korea being a Christian is one of the worst offenses you can commit. Hundreds and hundreds and hundreds, thousands of Christians are imprisoned in North Korea every year for Christian activity. So here, it's a little easier to say, yeah, we'll be bold, we'll do it. But that's not always the case. So it's hard to do on that level, but I think it's even harder to do on another level, and and that level is this, and this is where the discernment of the Holy Spirit is really so important, and and that is to know when and how to identify those issues, those times when we really should be disobedient, those times when we should stand up. Uh, there, There are a lot of issues, I think, that Christians can get caught up in today might really not be worth making that kind of stand for. Just saying. And then there are other things that I think sometimes get overlooked that probably are worth making that stand for. So let me give you a couple criteria. This is just my, my thinking on when and how we might do that. First thing is, in relying on the Holy Spirit, tread, tread both cautiously and wisely, not just boldly. OK, uh, sometimes uh, we confuse what I would call bravado or macho or whatever with boldness. And this is a little bit like I mentioned before with Peter in the garden when he draws the sword and cuts the guy's ear off. That really wasn't boldness. That was just dumb. OK, and sometimes Christians do dumb things and they, they pretend they're being bold Um So it just requires some wisdom to know the difference. It requires some discernment to know the difference. Peter and John here, they're being arrested. Their only crime is talking about Jesus. That's a good start. If we're talking about Jesus, I would say that that's something worth standing up for. Some of the peripheral issues that we get caught up in, I don't know if they're worth it. So we, we need to... We need to search our consciences, and we need to really um, really evaluate and, and seek wisdom from God on what things are worth, you know, really making an issue and, and what aren't. And, and I'm going to add here, too, I, the, the whole judgmentalism thing. Can, can, we, can we not do that? Can we try to not be judgmental of other people over their convictions if they're not our convictions? You know what I mean? I'll just a little example. I, I was told I was going to hell, for voting uh, as a Democrat, I thought that was a little harsh. Uh, I, I agree. Maybe some of you might think that, but uh, that was my—that was my sin. I was going to hell because I, I you know, I voted Democrat. Um, I don't know. Just saying. No, <laughs> I'm getting this. Come on, people. How many times? I'm not going to tell you that. Uh, So so just my point here is, again, follow the leading of the Spirit, not just, you know, the leading of the masses, okay? Like lemmings to the sea. I think sometimes Christians are like that, right off the cliff. You know, just just follow your conscience. Second thing is this, and this is just consider Jesus. Um, I love that verse in Hebrews and this is the New American Standard, and I never, ever, ever, hardly ever use New American Standard, but I did here because I like it. Uh, consider Jesus, the Apostle and High Priest of our Confession. NIV says, fix your thoughts on Jesus, which is good too, but I like that. Just consider Jesus. When you're facing difficult choices, when you're facing decisions in life, when that tension comes up and you're not sure what to do, consider Jesus. I think any situation where we have a question, we're unclear on something, I like to stop, take a step back, and consider Jesus. To really, really evaluate in my heart of hearts that thing of, you know, what would Jesus do? How would Jesus respond in this situation? Um, And again, you have to really be willing to clear your mind and clear your heart and not just answer that. What do I think Jesus would do or what would I want Jesus to do or what would I do if I was Jesus? But what would Jesus really do? How would he respond? Look at the Gospels. Read those. Consider the welcome of Jesus, the people that he reached out to, the places he went. You know, to me, there's a a whole different perspective sometimes in the heart of Jesus than than I see and feel, you know, in the world around me, sometimes even among other Christians. So um evaluate that. Okay. Uh, after they were released, they go back and report what happened and and the disciples and the group gathered there uh, immediately went into prayer. We'll take just a few minutes and and, and look at their prayer um, you know and then we'll pray. So uh, first thing they do is they, they, they acknowledge God, and I always think it's a good way to start prayer. Uh, we have a tendency, I do, I have in the past, I do less today, to just start with my requests first. Please, God, will you do this or that, because I need your help. Good thing to do. It's okay to ask God for help. But uh, biblical prayers very often begin with worship, they begin with adoration, they begin with an acknowledgment. Um, they raise their voices to go, Sovereign Lord, you made the heavens, and the earth, the seas. You did it. You did it all. You did it all. That's why we're calling out to you because you're the man. And I'm not, okay? Then they make their request. And here's the thing for me. Here, here, here's the thing for me. I, the request to me is so interesting. They, they did not ask for the opposition to stop, they did not ask for. Uh, <laughs> They did not ask for laws to be passed so that they could preach freely, okay? They did not ask for that. They did not ask for God to do anything against those people that were hindering the advancement of the gospel. They didn't ask for any of that. What did they ask for? Stretch out your hand to heal. Perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. Best defense is a good offense. Uh, can i 'll share a little secret with you if the Spirit of God is moving and people are being healed, they can say whatever they want right if the spirit of God is moving and miracles are happening you can do you can say whatever you want you can throw a hissy fit i don 't care nobody cares i, I, I you know I, I love the The guy, the the, the blind man in in, uh, John chapter 9, you know, he's blind since birth. He can't see. Jesus heals him. The Pharisees are unhappy about it. So they ask him, how did this happen? I don't know. He put mud in my eyes. Now I see. They're still not happy. They go back and they ask him again. And I love this. A second time, they summoned the man who had been blind. Give glory to God by telling the truth, they said. We know this man is a sinner. I love the guy. I don't know whether he's a sinner or not. I don't know. One thing I know, I was blind. Now I see. It doesn't matter. Let me tell you, you can do whatever you want. You, you know. And I, I love here that they did not... They, they, they did not... You know. Pray against their opposition, they prayed that God would move. That is huge, people. I think that's a to me that's that's a redirect. I think that's a redirect. I think that's a whole new default. Don't pray against the can i I'll give you a little example. I've been talking in veiled terms this morning. A few years ago, there was a whole prayer in schools thing, right? Big Christians got up in arms, blah, 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 blah. blah. I used to thought it was such a waste of time, energy, and money. I I really, I'm sorry. I just, like what? Who cares? I saw this bumper sticker. This is what I thought. As long as there are tests, there will be prayer in schools. Wow. You can you can't, so they don't have an organized prayer in the morning. Who cares? You can't tell people, I'll pray in my head, ha, ha, ha. You know, neener neener. It's like, why why do we care about that? Uh, if people are getting healed, if the spirit of God's moving, who cares? Who cares? You you can lobby, you can protest, you can counter protest, you can do whatever you want. I, if God's moving, God's moving. I don't care. You can do whatever you want. I, I you know, just so what? They can't stop that. You can't stop that. If we if we would not get so caught up in stuff and just do the stuff, I think it would be so much better. Yeah? You with me on that? Uh, Last thing, and and then we'll be done here. Um, The place they were, they prayed, the place was filled with the Spirit and shook and all that. Um, This is complex. The they were filled with the Holy Spirit. The Greek word filled has six different tenses, verb tenses. It's a weird word. I mean, it's a hard word to translate. What it really should say is, but it doesn't make as much sense, but it doesn't seem to make as much sense. But what it really should read literally would be something like they were being filled with the Holy Spirit. And it's ongoing. It's an ongoing thing. It's not a one-time thing. And that's just my point here is that the filling of the Holy Spirit is an ongoing reality we sometimes treat it like it's a one-time thing, like baptism. We talk about the baptism of the Holy Spirit, like water baptism. You get baptized once, and then you're done, right? And so we think, well, the, I get filled with the Holy Spirit once, and then I'm done. It doesn't work that way. The filling of the Holy Spirit is an ongoing reality that we need all the time. The, the, the people here, let me just point out, people that were here in Acts chapter 4 being filled with the Holy Spirit were many of the same people that were Filled with the Holy Spirit two chapters ago in chapter two. They're being filled again. Uh, And I always used to tell our youth group, it's like, what? Anybody remember? Come on. You're you're killing me. Yeah, but... Had a real impact on them. It's like what? Gas in the car. Gas in the car. A dollar? Yeah, I know. Another. I, I used to give them a dollar if they get the answer right. It's like that's why they don't remember. Oh god! It's gas in the car. So you buy a brand new car. It would be great, wouldn't this be great? You buy a new car, fill it up, and you're done. That we would love that. Doesn't work that way. Car's going to run out. You've got to fill it up again. We're like that. We're like that. We need to be filled with the Spirit over and over again. We need to be filled with the Spirit continually. It's an ongoing thing. We need to be filled all the time. And in order for God's kingdom to advance and us to be doing the things that we see here and that we're talking about doing, we really need that presence of the Spirit with us all the time, not just once, even if guys are lame, all of them. No, they're not. I love them. Uh, let's pray I, let's, I'm done. Can you What are you doing now? You, now don't associate with them. No, you come up. you come up. I know you weren't, and that's what I'm saying. Don't talk to them because they'll rub off on you.' a whole herd of them. They're bad. No. They're mostly my kids, so I you know, be nice to. Them. Um, what are you guys' is it just you?